Welcome everyone. How is everyone doing today? Welcome back to the Committed Podcast. Stay true. We're still normally known by the Driven Life Show, but we've rebranded the podcast name to Stay True, the Committed Podcast. And um, of course, um, powered by WCD Coaching, um, which is our firm. And we have a special guest today. And her name is Letitia Francis. Today's topic, we're going to be talking about when to say no. That is the name of the topic. We're still in the Worth It series. And in this Worth It series, we're on episode four, which makes it um, our episode 58 um, as a whole. So I'm enjoying the Worth It series, and I hope you guys are. We're going to meet Letitia Francis. Um, Letitia, thank you so much for joining me out of your busy schedule and um, I'm going to let Letitia tell the audience just a little bit about herself. She is um, a mindset coach. Um, she's an entrepreneur, and she's definitely going to be telling um, us our, her, her story, um, things that we need to know as, uh, you know, single women and when dating and being in relationships. So I'm just going to let her introduce herself. Thank you so much, Letitia. Thank you for having me today. How are you today? Great, great. That's Good. I am a mindset coach, like you said. I'm originally from Bermuda and I am currently in England and I am dedicated to helping women get their mind right so mm. that they can see the success and fulfillment that they, des- they desire in their lives. Awesome. Awesome. I-, I love it. I love the support of women. I love the support of, you know, women lifting each other up and pushing them forward. Um, because we never know who who's out there going through things that we may have been through or similar. So I love it. I love it. And you guys, I do have um, some handles to pin to the episode of Letitia. So any way that you would like to get in touch with her or um, speak with her or have a consultation, I will pin all of her social media links and handles up there. And so Letitia, we're going to get started. So we want to know um, the topic is uh, when to say no. So I know that you have a story um, about a relationship that you was in. Can you just tell us a little bit about that relationship? Was it healthy or unhealthy? It was extremely unhealthy and it started off as an inappropriate relationship. Um, at a very young age, I had some contention in my home life. Um, I was told at seven that I was the reason for my parents' divorce matter of fact I was told my birth was the reason for my parents divorce so I spent a lot of years looking for love looking for validation and at the age of 14 I was introduced to a man that was 28 years old and Mm -hmm. I entered into a relationship with him um, to escape what was going on at home Mm -hmm. and you know um when I first got into the relationship, 
coming from Bermuda, very small community, your neighbors know more about your business than you know about your business. My mom found out about him very early on and she tried to convince me to leave the relationship, but because our relationship was a bit sideways, I was not listening to her, you know it. In your teenage years, you think you know everything. I thought I was grown. I thought I knew what I was doing. Um, She did a background check on this man and found out that every relationship that he had been in ended in a restraining order. Mm -hmm. So with that information, you know, I can't say that I proceeded with caution, but I definitely was made aware that he was a violent individual. I hadn't at that point seen it um about just before I turned 16 he put his hands on me for the first time he choked me and I knew then (laughs) that that's not what should be happening in a relationship I can't say I had the perfect example of healthy relationships around me but I knew a man shouldn't put his hands on you and I ended that relationship at 16 However, less than two years later, I had gotten into a major fight with my mother and I was kicked out of her house um, with lawyer help telling me that I was not even allowed on her property anymore. And if I went back, I would be escorted off the property by the police. So at this point, I wasn't quite 18 I wasn't able, well, in my country, I wouldn't have been able to get an apartment at 18 anyway. Um, Legal age was 21. So um, I was forced to seek out refuge with this man because my family didn't, wouldn't take me in. So I entered back into this relationship, which was emotionally abusive from the get-go, from the minute I, you know, mm. said I need a roof over my head, he used that against me. And there was a lot of psychological um, abuse that wore me down um, because I had spent so many years searching for my worth. You know, I really didn't know who I was. And most people don't know who they are at 17, 18 years old. Exactly. Um, I eventually married him, um, but there were years of physical abuse. Um, I went through a lot. Um, he used to torture me at night, keep me up by pouring water on me. He used to threaten to set me on fire by pouring alcohol on me. I went through a lot in that time. And, you know, if I was in a better place within myself, within my self-esteem, I don't think that I would have put up with as much as I did. Interesting to note, I was working in law enforcement at the time. I was working as a customs officer. And there were times where I was desperate for help. But because I worked in law enforcement and I saw the inhumane way that they treated people, I didn't want people to know what was going on with me. It was too close for comfort, you know. Um, So I hid for a very, very long time until one night we got into a fight. Um, he was drunk and he stabbed me. Wow. And 
I would like to say that I that was the end of my trauma, but it wasn't. You know, I left the relationship. I lived in a homeless shelter for several months because I did not have support around me. Um, my mom came to pick me up that night that I got stabbed and she took me back to her house. And I was told that I can't stay there, which is why I ended up in a homeless shelter. And, you know, I spent years rebuilding my life from that point. Um, I was in my early 20s at this point, and this was the first time that I had ever been alone. So rebuilding from a broken marriage, which, by the way, I blamed myself for. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like a failure because my marriage, something so sacred. <laughs> had fallen yeah. apart even though you know I was aware that it wasn't a healthy marriage I felt like a failure because it was over yeah. and you know this was the first time in my life that I was alone as an adult my yeah. identity up until this point was either someone's child or someone's girlfriend and wife and you know, I say to people, most of my pain <laughs> actually happened after I left that relationship. You know, you uh -huh. become numb to the abuse. You, it becomes part of your day-to-day. -day. Right. I was now alone in the world having to figure out who I am and find my worth, which for me was very hard because my worth had been <laughs> defined at seven when I learned that I, you know, someone told me I was the reason why my parents divorced. So wow. at this point, it's like 16, 17 years of pain that you have to kind of excavate to try to establish yourself first. And it took me years. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Um, I think either walking away from the abuse would end my trauma. And it really didn't. Because I was still battling within myself, finding myself worth. And because I didn't establish that early, I, was, I found myself in a lot of toxic situations. <laughs> um, getting into relationships with people who were emotionally unavailable to me, who um, I saw red flags that I ignored. Um, I ended up in relationships with addicts um, that I enabled for years because I needed someone in my space. Yeah. I needed someone to validate who I was. And my I always tell people my experiences made me a survivor, but my healing allowed me to become a driver. Mm, and I good. think um, a lot of times we enter into relationships that leave us scarred and battered and bruised and not always in a physical way, but, yeah. you know, we may get into relationships with people who don't appreciate our work, who take advantage of our vulnerability and it leaves us less whole at the end of the relationship right right the one thing I've learned from everything that I've been through the relationships that I've, I've entered into that have essentially 
taken away from me was that I was looking for relationships to complete me mm, yeah. as opposed to complement me. Mm. And I think that is something that, you know, when I look back at my journey and at the experiences that I've been in, all but one of my relationships, I entered into them from a very vulnerable place. And I believe that when we are vulnerable entering into relationships, we are like injured sea turtles Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the middle of the ocean. And the apex predators like the great white sharks and the killer whales who can smell our vulnerability from literally miles away, they come seeking us out. It's it's like we give off this signal um, that we are vulnerable, even when we think we're... Um, Like you said, they attract and they know when... Um, they have a sense of, of humor when they know when someone is going through um, a, a childhood, a rough childhood span or whatnot. And they and when they get you, like you said, at your vulnerable and lowest moments, they're like, OK, I know that she'll, you know, he or she will um, believe in and everything um, I say. And like you said, when you were young, you entered those relationships, you know, at a young age. And like you said, going through what you were going through at a young age, it's like, okay, I don't, I'm still finding out my identity. I really don't really know any better. I'm just wanting somebody to love me for me. So I'm glad that you say that too about vulnerability because we enter into relationships vulnerable, not knowing what our worth is, like you said. Absolutely. And, and, and nothing good comes out of that. You know what I mean? Like you don't, you don't meet like United Shining Armor when you're in that state. You, you right. absolutely don't. And, you know, I think my biggest lesson as I went through, I went through 10 years of how in relationships, even after leaving the abuse, because I didn't know how to validate myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Learning how to validate myself, learning that you know, I don't need external validation, learning to, first of all, forgive myself. Um, I, I blamed myself for years for going back into that situation because I left, I had walked away. Had I not gone back, my life would have been different. And I blamed myself for a very long time because of that. My healing allowed me to see that I did the best that I could in that moment. I made the best decision that I could with the information and the resources that I had. Mm -hmm. I I did what I could to protect myself, right? And there was no way I would have known that he would have tried to kill me. Mm. Wow. So for me, it was letting go of that guilt, that Mm -hmm. resentment towards myself, so that I can move forward, so that I can learn to trust myself, learn to like myself, learn to establish who I am. Everything that I was in my 20s, in my teens and my 20s, my worth was 
tied to the relationships that I were in. And if they went south, the way that I viewed myself went south. So after years of bad relationships, bad situations, I found myself in jail. <laughs> mm-hmm. The person that I was seeing at that time was had relapsed on crack cocaine and had stolen some items that I later received unknowingly, not knowing that they had been stolen. And several weeks later, the police were on my job and they arrested me. And I remember sitting in that jail cell thinking, like, how did I get her? Right, right. Like, how? But before that time, I never ever, I would have never said, how did all I get here? It would have been, whose fault is it that I'm here? You know what I mean? I took no ownership. I lived the life of a victim. Life was happening to me. I wasn't happening to life. I had no control over what happened. And I think that incident, I would say was my rock bottom. Most people would think it would be step, get and stay up. No, it was sitting in jail, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, faced with myself. And I remember my mom came to jail and she said to me, behind the glass, which is like, that was so heartbreaking for me. um, She said to me, why do you, love everyone else more than you love yourself that was like a light bulb that came on that was like a body blue (laughs) first of all like boom oh my god what are you saying to me but that's exactly what I needed to hear at my lowest point something had to change for me um and along my journey I met people and I had met a coach who at the time saw my emptiness and had offered help but I wasn't ready I absolutely wasn't ready and I reached out to her once I got out of jail and I started working on me you know I I worked on working past all of those toxic emotions that helped me back for years that helped me in the same kind of toxic situations and that that was my liberation that was my opportunity to start thriving and I changed my life because I was able to change the way that I was looking at things and change my narrative Um, which is part of the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing now I I truly am so by the power of coaching um it's transformational and as someone who has been to psychiatrists psychologists family therapists counselors you name it I've done it my my biggest breakthroughs came through coaching awesome that's 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 awesome because I I mean this is my first time I don't know anybody else if you know heard a story like yours before but this is my first time just hearing your story saying that you went to every therapist and medical doctor there is that, that coaching coaching helped you because you were drawn to someone who seen what what you really didn't see at first. Like they helped pull some things out of you. Not a doctor, not a therapist. And 
and we love them. We, we I, I give them, we still give them credit. But the fact of that, you know, Letitia, you said you found a coach that brought everything out of you that needed to bring out of you, because I do believe people put, people don't give, you know, coaches um, the credit that is due because there's expertise that different coaches have that other people don't have. And like you said, it starts with communication. It starts with you being honest and owning up to this is really me. This was really my life. This is really what I was doing to myself. And it's time for me to come out of that. And so I just thought that was, you know, awesome that you said that it was the coach that really, really, really tapped into you. Mm-hmm. I mean, pre- previously that I always felt judged. You know what I mean? Mm. Like given to a psychiatrist. I was Mm. a teenager talking about real world problems to someone who felt that I shouldn't be talking about that. Wow. You know, so being met where I was instead of being treated as if I had a disease, like let's be real. Therapists treat psychological issues. So they're not... I'm not saying that they're not worried about the person, but I don't believe it's as holistic. It's let me, let me uh, diagnose what's going on. Let me diagnose the behavior instead of getting to the true root so that it can be changed. And, you know, for me, whenever I describe therapy, it was almost to me like going to meet a friend at a club and getting lost on the way and when I finally get there they want to ask me well where did you go wrong so that you got lost that was therapy for me like trying to figure out why this happened that doesn't matter it happened how do I move forward and coaching definitely armed me with action Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I had to take action in order to see results rather than going and talking about my problems over and over for weeks. So for me, that's what I needed. I, I'm an action taker. I needed someone to be brutally honest, you know, yeah. not sugarcoat anything for me because they want to remain professional. Like be real with me. That's right. Help me take ownership so that I can change the behaviors instead of just masking it and dealing with it. Yeah, because like you said, Letitia, when you, when when someone find out things about you, like you said, okay, this happened, that happened, these events occurred. So like you said, what do I need to do to, to, to move forward? What holistically natural things are you going to speak to me as far as telling me the truth, not telling me a lie or telling me, what I want to hear, but there's going to be some things that I don't want to hear about myself. Like, like you said earlier, acceptance. I got to accept myself that I went through this, even though I didn't have no clue, I was still learning my identity, but I knew that it wasn't healthy. And the point where you said no, a lot of people say no at the very end stages. Um, sometimes it's maybe too late for some people, but majority of the time there's still hope because you were detecting it earlier on saying this is this is clearly not love but like you said it didn't stop there because like you said even after that you were still drawn to the same it was like the same relationship but you had to understand I just have to connect with somebody that that wants to hear me out that believes in me that will be honest with me and won't you know sugarcoat everything with ice cream 
because it's not going to sound good all the time. But you got to make the choice to say, okay, I got to do the work though. They're feeding me this, but I have to do the work. And And like you said, you are finding your purpose. You start working on you, you know, progressing in your identity and knowing that there's better for you out out there. So I truly do believe that, yeah, let's get to the root of the problem. Don't just kind of like dope me up with medication. Let's let's talk holistically here. So I like that that you say that. Yeah. It's definitely um, you know, it, and I have these conversations because I do believe that there is so much therapeutic value in sharing your story. You know, I've got into a place where I can share it without emotion because I'm actually in a place where I'm grateful for my experience. And I say that to people and they absolutely think I'm crazy, but there is so much gratitude there. I remember as a child, one of the narratives that I was constantly fed is you're too much. Like you're too large. You're too opinionated. You are, you have too much attitude. You're too small for your own good. And those are the things that I, ran away from because it made other people comfortable right I'm embracing those things now even though they make some people uncomfortable but I realize that I'm too loud because I have a voice I have something to say that needs to be heard I'm too opinionated because I will go where other people won't go I will touch on those topics that people will shy away from I've got too much attitude because I won't be silenced I have something to say and being able to take those things that even were used against me in relationships you know man don't like opinionated women come on let's keep it real that's true that's true (laughs) you know I spent years trying to shift myself Mm -hmm. but accepting who I was and accepting my flaws right in a way that I have embraced them so much so that I'm using them to make an impact. That's what I'm grateful for. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And that's what, you know, that's what led you to, like you said, who you are today. Because without, without the trials, without the mess ups and not knowing who you are, you wouldn't have never found out, okay, this is the right way. This is what I need to do. Because like you said, even at a young age, like you said, you were still, searching you know for that love but when like you say when you love yourself and you accept yourself that's when you know okay there's better for me and like you said of course you're not going to do the things that everybody else do because you're Letitia Francis you're not Karen Oliver or you're not Susie and Betty you're Letitia Francis so you have your own unique identity and it's like now when you came out of those relationships it's like okay I know what a healthy relationship is. I know that I'm not just going to settle. I'm not going to accept just anything because I know what happened. And I know that what happened wasn't right towards me. It wasn't healthy or whatever. So it's like you said, forgiving yourself and loving yourself and accepting yourself to know that, okay, I can can do better. And I am better. You know, it's a good thing when you can say, I am better because like you said, people want to say, oh, well, you, you like you say, oh, you're this and you're that. But I like the fact I like your whole story and the background of it because I think that so many of us need it, especially young adolescents out here, young teenagers, um, young women out here that are looking for love in the wrong places when truth of the matter is you just need to love on yourself and you need to gain as much 
uh, self-care as you need to. And so you can know how that next person can love you. So um, is there any advice, um, any other advice or any encouragement you would like to give to the audience today, Letitia, concerning your story? Yes, I just, it is important to get comfortable with setting boundaries. A lot of us don't set boundaries because we are scared of how they will be received. And because of that, we end up in situations that make us miserable. So it's about being committed to ourselves. Boundaries are never, ever about anyone else. It is about what we are willing to do in the event that our boundaries are breached. And that commitment to ourselves, following through with the commitment that we are not gonna settle is so important. And even if people aren't happy with you setting boundaries for yourself, just look at it as a way of clearing the path for people who will respect your boundaries. Mm, That's good, that's good, I love that. Because if, if we don't have boundaries and then we will just let people walk over top of us and do whatever we want to do. So like you said, we have to set boundaries. I love that. Um, and thank you so much, uh, Letitia, for coming on uh, the Committed Podcast today. Thanks so much. I am very honored to have you. I really enjoyed your story. And I know that everybody out there has gained insight and have gained Um, knowledge on, you know, just being um, in a, in a healthy relationship versus unhealthy, because it's like, now we can identify if somebody says things to me verbally, if somebody does things to me physically, that, that is not, because abuse can be verbally and physically, and a lot of people don't know that verbally, you know, sometimes even may hurt worse more than physical, but either way it goes, they're all, all bad. But I think this is something that our, our, our young women um, definitely need to know because I'm pretty sure that we all have a story and some of it has always been there. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having um, me. Coming on. I am so glad. And um, can you tell people, and I also pin all of Letitia's um, handles on there, but can you just um, tell um, everybody how to find you? Sure. I am on Instagram. I spend a lot of time on Instagram, Black Rose Coaching. Black is spelled B-L-A-Q-U-E. And it is also blackrosecoaching.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much, Letitia. And I hope that we can connect um, in the future. And it was a pleasure to have you on our podcast today. And if there's anything Um, that we can do or um, collaborate with, just please reach out um, and we'll surely make something happen. But I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and we'll be in touch. You as well. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.